1: Yes, we are the brave We'll fight you in day.
0: The name of the brave We are the U.S. All right, good morning, Veteran Be Real listeners. This is Sergeant Be Real here. I'm here with Tammy Mose today, a Navy veteran. And we haven't had too many Navy veterans, guys and gals out there. I've had about, I think I've had four, maybe five total. I've had a lot of Army, a lot of Air Force, and a couple Marines, but not a lot of Navy and Marines. So I'm excited to get Tammy on. She has got one of the most challenging, probably, businesses I've ever even thought about or even would think about even trying to do, and she's amazing. I've known her through the Vetchpreneur Tribe, and we've met that way, and now we work, and we do a lot together talking to each other and crisscrossing paths all the time. Uh, She's an amazing human being, so I'm going to introduce everybody now. This is Tammy. Hi, Tammy. How are you today?
1: Hi, Nick. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm fantastic. I'm fantastic.
0: Thank you for asking. So tell us a little bit about your time in the Navy, and then what led you to what you're doing now?
1: Well, the time I was in the Navy, I actually – I had fun. I got to travel, um, which was my my one of my reasons for going in the military was this idea that I could go see places I probably wouldn't get to see otherwise. Um, I enlisted when I was a senior in high school, so I was in delayed entry for a few months and um, really didn't know how to march or how to do some of that stuff when I went off to boot camp. (laughs) Um, But you know, I survived it, and I, I'll go into it a little more later, but I th- I went into it with this idea that I would not fail. Like, I felt like I had no other options. And years later, I started to realize that it's okay to say I will succeed, like shifting that mindset to what, instead of what you're avoiding, what you're actually going toward. Yep. Um, I was uh, stationed on a ship. Uh, the USS Niagara Falls. It was home ported out of Guam. So um, when I when I got orders, I had kind of basically had this conversation with God that I wanted to go as far away from home as I could. Uh, and well, that's you. pretty much what happened. <laughs> well, <laughs> you, the yeah. um, but I did not have an A school or a school and, and I had, been told I should have one and I was more concerned about leaving than I was about where I was going. And so I, I highly recommend people exploring what their options are if they're going in the military. I, I think a lot of times when you're young, you think you have to take what they tell you instead of asking a lot of questions and realizing that you haven't signed anything yet, so you still have options. Um, and so I think that's an important thing for, na- for people now. To know if they're looking at what what's their choices after high school, you know what are they looking at? Um, I did get to travel. A lot. I got to go to Australia and Japan. Um, one of my favorite places to say is Ungjung Um <laughs> and that was in uh, Indonesia. And we were the first ship that had been there in many many years. So um, they had rickshaws there and it was just a really interesting experience to see, um, to see something so out of my comfort zone. I mean, it was similar to Bali in some ways, you know, just kind of that island kind of atmosphere. But um, it was, I got to climb Mount Fuji, which was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) And my aunt, when I was a kid, uh, made sure I knew like there was a world outside of where I grew up and one of the things that I remember is she sent me national geographics and there was a picture of Mount Fuji on the front of there. And years later I got to climb Mount Fuji and it was like that seed had been planted years before without me even knowing like that it was something that would be kind of cool to do. So, um, I always thought I wanted stories to tell when I'm an old lady in my rocking chair. And so that was kind (laughs) of my incentive to do different things, you know, like i i was with someone who's like oh i don't want to go to tokyo and i'm like why like i have three days i'm pretty sure i can get back to the ship in three days like <laughs> yeah. you have some time. and you know you had your little guidebooks and you had your liberty thing so it's not like you were out there totally lost you know um my thing was i just wanted to have an adventure and i guess that was kind of how i looked at it it <laughs> granted you have all the other stuff in the military, right? You have duty and watch and uniforms and inspections and people you have to deal with. But I think it's like anything, you just kind of figure out how to navigate your way through it. Yep, it
0: is. And then that led you to phasing out in the military, getting out, coming back to, I'm, you're in, where are you at? You're in California or you're on the West coast somewhere, right?
1: Um, um, I'm in Washington. I'm actually on Whidbey Island. I'm about two hours north of Seattle. Um,
0: way up there in the northeast, okay, or northwest. Thanks. Yeah. yeah, I went to – I was stationed yeah. at, I was and we Florida. have
1: uh, – oh, yeah. <laughs> you were stationed where?
0: I was at Fort Lewis for a hot minute. I was up there for for a school. I was there for like a month and a half. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it was a, that was different because I was stationed in California, but they sent me to Washington State for the school I had to go to. It was crazy. But yeah, I didn't like the, it was like a misty rain that the time of the year I was there it was like, it was always kind of misty and raining. So I wasn't a very happy camper cause I'm not a big rain fan. I'm not a big fan of rain. So I wasn't happy at all, but it was pretty. I mean, yeah, it was pretty up there, but yeah. So West coast got out of the Navy, went back home or found a home. <laughs> and now what are you doing now? What, what are your, what's your entrepreneur vision that took you to where you're at now? Well,
1: it this journey I'm on now, isn't something I ever really thought I would be on. Um, just because I, I didn't know people like ran businesses. Like I didn't know one in my family did that type of thing, but, um, I had gotten out of the military. I had been married. I eventually got a necessary divorce. Um, I was working full time for a state agency Um I went back to college and got my bachelor's, um, which that's a whole nother story. I'm kind of happy I have it now. Um, and then I kind of stumbled back into the fact that I was a veteran and I got invited to a, a women veterans conference, which kind of led me into looking at, huh, there's business options here. And I learned about a, something called VY's, mm-hmm. veteran women igniting the spirit of entrepreneurship which is through Syracuse University. And they have some trainings that they did. And I just kind of said, oh, I'm done with college, now what? And kind of jumped into the business side thinking I wanted to do something around housing. And like, we have a lack of housing where I live, but across our country, especially affordable housing. And so I was really kind of looking at how could I support that? And I know you have several businesses and a nonprofit. And I had a lot of people say, well, why don't you be a nonprofit? And I said, well, there's a lot of nonprofits where I live and who supports nonprofits? Hmm, businesses, people that have income, right? And so it kind of became, well, Tammy, you know about housing or you wanna talk about housing, but what else do you know about? Like, Like the market's kind of flooded with nonprofits that do variations of what you're talking about. And I had a mentor, um, Larry Broughton. Uh, He has Broughton Hotels. But at the time, um, we talked about, you know, what else do you know about, right? Uh, Business people always have plan B. Entrepreneurs always have the next thing. And I started to talk a little bit about hoarding. And he was like, well, you know, there's shows. I'm like, yes, I know. I don't watch them because I can smell them. Like, I know exactly what's going on. And... But it became apparent that I knew a lot about this issue because I had grown up in it, a variation of it. Um, We weren't talking about it. And part of the reason those hoarding shows existed was because there was like this sensationalism about around hoarding. And what I found was that the perspective of the kid growing up in it or the spouse or the neighbor or some of those. And it started to become pretty obvious that I, I knew a lot about it. And if I was willing to speak up about it, then there would be some market for that. And it, it took some time because honestly, I went in the military to get away from it. I didn't plan to talk about it in my later 30s and 40s. And, but it's kind of evolved into, I did on site work with people that hoarded. I've, I've talked to the family members. I finally, I've been blogging for about four years, and it that kind of brought me into doing some breakout sessions at some of the conferences that happen in the Seattle area, um, and it kind of evolved into a podcast now, and um, ideally, there's just, there's about 19 million people in the U.S. that have a hoarding issue, and if you look at how many people are impacted by just that one person have a hoarding that has a hoarding issue. It's a pretty astronomical number. And um, it, and here's the part that I think a lot of times we don't realize uh, is that you have firefighters and first responders and you have a lot of people like that that step into these situations and they don't even know what they're walking into. And that is the part that gets me because a lot of people that hoard think they don't have a problem a lot of people with any kind of issue, <laughs> well, yeah. I, I, look, you know, I'll tell you flat out running a
0: nonprofit. We run into that all the time because we'll have like, I'm just going to give you, for example, we had a young lady whose father, I think it was his father or her uncle I can't remember, passed away. And when they went into this man's house, they couldn't walk they couldn't take twenty steps into the front door. Like they could not. There was so much stuff stacked. It was literally she said stacked to the ceiling. She had to call like a J Dog removal place to come over for a while, blah, blah, blah. And then they finally got to the nuts and bolts of everything. And then they wanted to donate. And I said, Well listen, honey, I love you. And I love the fact that you want to donate. But I'm really apprehensive to take those donations because I don't know how long that stuff's been there. If there's in what kind of condition this stuff's gonna be in, and I don't know if I can take it because in the condition it's probably gonna be in, it's not gonna be useful for us. And she was like, I know, I'm sorry, but I got to get, it. I said, yeah, I said, I get some volunteers over there to help you clear the house out. If that's what you're trying to do. She said, yeah, that's what I'm really trying to do. I said, okay. So we called in a, I have a buddy who owns a business, one of those dump, you know, one of those things where you bring it over to the house they set it outside and you just throw everything in and they come haul it off. He right. it, so he donated one, he donated one for me for that. So I had it dropped off, at, and it even has a bathroom built in. it. It was really cool. But anyway.
1: <laughs> wow, I didn't know that you could it's get them, them like that. that. Yeah,
0: it's called a red box or whatever. It's got a little porta-potties on the end of it, plus it has the whole big dump part. But I called him. He brought it over, and then we, I sent about 20 volunteers at, from the military, of the base and some soldiers and stuff. We grabbed them up and went over there and cleared the house out in about a half a day. And she was just in tears because she didn't realize how bad. I think it, I want to say it was her father, though. She didn't realize what kind of situation this guy was in living like that. You know what I mean? Like, he could be, I don't, she's like, I don't even know how he got into his kitchen or how he got into his bedroom. Cause you literally, she said there's little pathways throughout the house that got, when it was like nuts. And when I got there, I was like, and that was the very end of it. And I was still like, oh my God, look at all this stuff. It was crazy. So I was like, whoa. So, yeah, I can't, yeah, it impacts a lot of people. I'll guarantee you that.
1: Well, and like you're mentioning, like she didn't know, and no that person probably wouldn't let her in. They they may have met at restaurants, and or, she, he, or her
0: father came over to her house. Like he, she right? He came over to see the kids. What he never let them come over to her, his house, and she just thought it was because you know he just didn't want him, He didn't want he didn't clean up after himself, whatever. So she had no idea it was that bad, though. So and it was scary.
1: That's the heartbreaking part about that is these people are isolated and alone, and and they don't get that that behavior is what's isolating them and uh it's just it's really sad and they actually call it goat paths like little goat paths throughout the house and nice. if there's a fire in a situation like that it's-
0: that place would have went up like an inferno i mean it would have i mean because the i mean i can't even imagine because he, he had a i think he had a cat and I think that, you know, there was that cat smell when you went in there. So I don't I don't know how many cats you had, but I know that, but I just, I honestly, I, let me ask you something, Tammy, how much, how much mental health issues are tied to hoarding? Like how much, do you get any kind of data from that kind of aspect? Of, are they depressed? Are they, you know, or they have some type of mental health challenge that puts them in a position where it makes them get more, I don't know, vigilant into hoarding or, Is it because they're missing something in their life just that simple or is it just, I don't get it. I mean, I just don't get it. I mean, up here, I don't get it logically thinking like why would somebody put their position, but I can understand it if there's something not clicking up here the right way that, you know, whether it's depression or some kind of anxiety thing or I don't know. So what's your experience with that?
1: So I have found, and most people will say in the mental health community or even other organizers and people who deal with this pretty regularly are that there's usually something co-occurring going on uh, like a mental health situation, depression, anxiety. Sometimes it could be more severe than that. Um, it, so hoarding itself was originally considered under OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. Yep. And there is a component of hoarding that does include that, but also you can have hoarding, And not actually be OCD like you can, it's like there's so many variations to it, but um, In general, it does appear that there is something else going on a mental health issue and Even within that there's something like clutter blindness, like the person's brain, they cannot see it or process it the same way other people do And so it's like they have blinders on like they actually can't even see the towering piles of junk um stuff um (laughs) treasures you know what they don't see it as junk necessarily but they also almost don't even see it and i would also say there's this level of nose blindness like you were mentioning the cats or the pets like they can't even tell that it's that bad um but also in every client i've worked with every there is this level of trauma like something has happened to them in their life and the hoarding might be dormant but something can trigger it like a death or a loss of a pet maybe they retire loss of a job um a divorce i don't know something triggers it loss of a child and it's like it's a coping mechanism so the stuff is really a symptom of all the other things that are going on in their life that they haven't dealt with and it's like their coping mechanism or their and it's a reason why forced cleanouts are really traumatizing for that person because they have the whatever's caused them to hoard isn't generally being dealt with it's always the stuff that we focus on and the thing is is that sometimes you have to do a forced cleanout, especially if there's rodents especially if a person's trying to come home um uh, my personal piece of this and it, it might sound a little strange but when my my parents had a hoarding issue. My dad was in that space. I tried to get help for him, which was refused. And he they lived in that for many years until he had a health crisis that EMS came in and got him out. I can't tell you the relief of hearing someone else saw the place. He's not going to go back there. And he spent his last three years in that nursing facility complaining about being in the nursing facility. But that was preferable to being in a recliner where you can barely navigate through your packed house. And it was, it's one of those things that people, you kind of don't really realize how weird that sounds unless you're talking to someone who has seen what it looks like or has had a family member or is really aware of how awful it is to have your parent or your loved one living in a towering house full of stuff with rodents they can't navigate they can't cook no one can come in like there's all this this onion of issues that we don't really talk about we don't ask the question soon enough in certain medical situations um, you know we there is this level of elephant in the room And we kind of don't want to talk about it because we don't know what to say or do. And I look at it as there's ways to create space, but that means you have to get rid of some of the things that you, you currently have and that's getting through to someone that hoards. It can be very, very frustrating because they don't think they have a problem. So why would they accept help?
0: Crazy. I mean, hoarding is just—it's scary to me how 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 quick people can get into that rut and then get stuck. And then, because I worked in mental health in the military for a long time, so I was always one of those guys that knows something's just not firing right. There's got to be something that's just not. There may not be an actual diagnosable thing. And see, that's that's the other challenge I think that mental health people have is that it's hard for them to diagnose it in a way that's going to be justified in dsm four or whatever, you know what I'm saying, where it's actually a – because a lot of them say, hey, it's an obsessive-compulsive thing because that's the easiest way to say that's why people would do that. It's because it's X, Y, or Z versus, you know, there's an actual condition that we need to address with this because it's not healthy for a person to be this way. So I don't know. I, you're in a, You're in a lane that I find to be very intriguing and also scary because the living conditions that some of these people put themselves in in, their, in in the situation is like health. It's a health risk. Like even your father, like, like sitting on a, a recliner all day and having cats or whatever running around, just not healthy for you. You know what I mean? So it's crazy.
1: It, it is not. It's not healthy. And like in the beginning when you said you don't understand it, I have people ask me, do you understand it? I'm like, I, I see it. I've been exposed to it. I get why people do what they do, but do I actually understand? I, I don't know. <laughs> like I don't know that I understand because why would you put yourself in that position if you knew what you were doing and it, and your family? and you know, I, there was not a time that I visited my dad where he did not complain about being in a nursing facility. Now I'm not saying we all wanna to go to one. If you've been to one, there's varying levels of cleanliness and care and all that. But on the other hand, if you can navigate down the hall in your wheelchair and go read a book in the library and have people come visit you and be comfortable, is isn't that preferable to towering piles of things and being very isolated. And the, the thing is, and I was on a call this last week where a lot of people think if you call a government agency they're going to come in and solve it and that's not the case like the person still has autonomy they're still able to say no i choose to live here in this pile and it's very frustrating because there's a societal expectation that you'll take care of your parents which i grew up with that church in that honor your mother and father and all those things. And I do believe that a piece of that is true. But how do you do that with someone who absolutely refuses any kind of substantial help in any way? Um, And that's what a lot of hoarding is, is that person has the ability to say, I want to live like this. But on the other side of that, you have someone destroying someone else's rental property you have neighbors who are dealing with the smell of an apartment. I have um, one of my podcast episodes, I have a gal who is an organizer. And what we talked about is this person lived in like a duplex and he hoarded and the neighbor did not, but his level of hoarding got to the degree that he had rodents and those rodents were moving into the neighboring house that had no, or the neighboring, they shared a wall, uh, a neighboring duplex. And that woman had no recourse. Like, what is she supposed to do? She can't live there with rodents. She can't sell it. She can't rent it. But this person over here with hoarding is like, well, I don't want to deal with my hoarding. So there's this, the peripheral people has kind of become my focus because there are so many of them impacted by one person's hoarding. Like, one person can impact, what, five people, ten people? And... It's just, and it's very frustrating to see the problem and know what some of the solutions are, but even our some of our laws and our rules aren't set to go, hey, this is really severe. We need to look at this closer, and
0: yeah, I'm, I'm a, just... There, there are certain aptitudes of being an American and having all those freedoms that sometimes I think endanger people in this country because somebody can live like that, and we all know it's not healthy or safe. But because we're American, they're allowed to live like that. They want to live like that. It's like, you know, they want to live like that. But like you're saying, I mean, that's why they got to get the legal people involved with like rental people and stuff. They got to get, you know what I mean? Because it's, and it's sad that it has to come to that where we have to do something like that to just control, you know, the opportunity for somebody to live that way. It's just crazy.
1: And and it's so, people think that, so I've had this experience where, oh, well, you need to come and fix your parents' problem. Really? This problem existed since I was like a baby, and now... <laughs> now it's my problem? Hold
0: up, sorry, hold up there.
1: But there's an expectation that I can come and fix it, and often the kid or the relative has this emotional situation themselves that it's really hard to come in there and say, hey, you know, mom and dad, I'm really concerned about what how you're living. I know you've lived this way for 20 years, but hey, I got these people on my case now to help me that want me to help you right. and you refuse all help. So, and there, and there's that expectation, what do I have mental health um, training? Like how, how am I supposed to be the one to come in there and fix it? And even organizers, there are some people that specialize in hoarding. A lot of people won't touch it. I get it because you're dealing with dumpster level situations. You, you have to look at what's your PPE. Are you wearing a mask, gloves? What are you breathing in? Now, where are you gonna to go to the bathroom if you're working somewhere? I mean, there's all these considerations that come in. And I see, like you're saying, you're a nonprofit or lots of nonprofits come up with this and then they wanna run in and help Aunt Betty or Tom or whoever it is. And then you get there thinking you're gonna haul, you know, two trash bags away. And what you're looking at is days of work lots of money to haul this stuff away. Even if you're the kindest person on the planet, there's still costs involved with dealing with this. And I just, I want people who go in to be safe. You need to look at your mental health, your physical needs, and then maybe you can be of more assistance. But often you, we get pulled into these not knowing what's going on until we're there And so I have like tips like, look, put on a scarf, put some essential oil on that sucker, you know, then you're not offending them, but you're able to kind of keep it at bay. And right now in COVID times, like people who would normally have inspections on a regular basis, aren't getting them. So their hoarding is gonna be astronomical potentially. And then what, are we gonna mass evict them? Because we haven't dealt with the hoarding in the last nine months? Like. How does that work?
0: Obviously, so they are going to have to have rules out there like they can't cut your electric off. Well, they can't kick you out either if you're hoarding or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> so let, let's do this, Tammy. I know we've been pushing about 30 minutes here. So let's, let's look at this. So let's talk, tell us specifically the name of your company, the name of your foundation. Let's talk about your podcast real quick so we can get all that information in the notes so people can see all that stuff. They want to check out what you're doing. So what's the name of your company?
1: So my company is Homes Are For Living LLC. And I have a website, homesareforliving.com. I recently adopted the DBA, the hoarding solution. Mm -hmm. And um, I am really focused on the virtual aspect of this um, and helping people figure out what to do, whether you're the person that hoards or you're the family member or someone else, because sometimes you need to, you need to talk to someone for an hour and vent and get a plan. And then you can kind of figure out how to proceed. So um, the podcast is The Hoarding Solution and we are focused on hoarding but I'm also looking at how trauma, depression, anxiety, right. suicidal ideations, a lot of that stuff comes up for people in hoarding and a lot of veterans have got into the military to leave some kind of dysfunction and that is what I have found um, that resonates with people. So it, I want people to know they're not alone and that if you called me up And you said, hey, I got, you know, my dad's living here and there's rats and there's whatever, like, I'm not going to freak out because I get it. And I think that there are more people dealing with this this than we realize, and it's highly underreported, so. People, you don't have to do it alone. That's my big thing. Like, there are resources. I may not be where you are, but I can definitely support you and connect you with places like J Dog, who right. will come in and haul your stuff away.
0: Yeah. Well, and, th- and that's important for all you listeners out there. I mean, I know a lot of you came in the military. I know I had soldiers that told me stories about they came in the military because of their home life or whatever it might have been. They didn't get in necessarily into details that they were hoarding, but. They soldiers and military, people come in the military for a plethora of different reasons, but a big reason is why a lot of people come in the military young, out of high school, is to get out of an environment that wasn't conducive for them to be successful in their life. So that's what they're running away from. I think Tammy has a service that she provides that there's a lot of you out there listening, that your parents or your family members or somebody is in this situation, and now you have a resource with Tammy that you may be able to reach out to her and to help, and she can help find and guide you how you can help wherever you're at, wherever your family's at or whatever. She might be able do this. so. Make sure you check the show notes out. Her website, her Facebook page, her her uh, podcast, all that information will be in the show notes. So after the after the episode's over, make sure you check out the show notes so you can get all that information to reach out to Tammy if you need some assistance from her. Tammy, I want to thank you for being on the show. You've been amazing. I think what you do is one of the most admirable things that I think a person can do for another human being is doing things like you're doing, trying to look out for their health and well-being. Not only their hoarding problem, but also their health and well-being to make sure that they're 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 safely taking care of themselves and they're taking care of their family members and things like that. So I applaud you for what you do. I think it's a very uh, I think it's a very under appreciated and I don't appreciate it's probably not the right word. I think it's a very under observed condition that happens. I'm sure if we went like right here where I live. I'm sure there's probably a percentage of people that are hoarded that are living in a condition that's not healthy or not safe. And I think, our, especially right now with COVID, and everybody listening right now, we're in the, you know, the end of 2020, and COVID is still here. I know they're talking about vaccines and all this stuff, but COVID is going to be here for a while still. So we're still going to have rules that kind of limit what the public servants can do, what our police departments can do, and things like that because of COVID. So you need resources like Tammy out there, and Tammy's a veteran too. On top of all that, she's a Navy vet who did this after she got out of the military and really wanted to do something to continue to help her community and help our country get better because, I mean, even though she's in a small neck of the woods in the middle of, you know, Northwest United States, she's still helping people. So that's what's important. So Tammy, thank you so much for being on the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me, and I really appreciate it. And yeah. congrats on being number three on that yeah, podcast.
0: Yeah. yeah, and if everybody <laughs> listening on there don't know, a uh, uh, podcast, uh, what is it called? Podcast Magazine ranked us the number three rated uh for a veteran hosted podcast out of the top we were a top 25 we were number three so all my listeners out there you guys are amazing thanks for voting on that and thank you for helping us build that mantra but tammy i'm hoping your podcast gets way up there here in the near future and we get you up in the top five or the top one or whatever. because i think it's it's an interesting topic that's difficult for people to talk about but i think when it's like anything else when you start to open up about it you start to feel that pressure come off you that whole your whole or it changes because of what you're doing. So thank you for what you do for the families you helped. It's an amazing thing.
1: Thank you. I really appreciate your time and being here today.
0: Yep. So everybody out there listening, check out the show notes because what Tammy does is important. And I know there's somebody in your family or that, you know, that's having this condition and Tammy's organization might be able to help you find somebody that can help them where they're at. So thank you all for listening. You guys be safe out there make sure you're making sure you're wearing your mask to protect your family and yourself and just make sure you're washing your hands. Those are some dirty little fingers and dirty little digits. Those are what spread the 99% of vaccine, uh, conditions that get spread are spread through your hands. So make sure you're cleaning your hands a lot, okay? But you guys be safe out there. Thanks for listening. Well, that's a wrap, everyone. Hope you all got something out of this podcast today. Please tell a battle buddy about us and stay tuned for our upcoming podcast. Don't forget to visit our website at www.veteransbereal.com. Support us because we got your back. Till next time, everyone, I'm out of here. <laughs>